My name is Mark G. Uh, it's great to be here with you opening up the scriptures. And uh, I'm going to be preaching on that passage in Romans 8. So if you've got that open, that might be handy uh, to follow along uh, the verses that we look at in depth. And, um, and that psalm that we had read for us too, I'll come back to that one as well. But that, that's got some wonderful turns of phrase that relate to what we're going to be hearing about from the Lord uh, this morning. Um, as we do come to hear from the Lord, uh, we, we ought to pray for his blessing on us, uh, blessing on us for this new year. Uh, but especially blessing on us um, now that we might hear and be changed. I thought I might uh, just read the collect uh, for the first Sunday after Christmas as our prayer to lead us in uh, to this sermon today. So would you pray with me? Lord our God, you have given us as an example the life of Jesus in his home. Grant that all Christian families may be so bound together in love and service that we may rejoice together in your heavenly home through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. Well, as I said, this uh, passage we're going to be looking at today is from Romans uh, chapter 8. It's one of my favourite passages in the whole of the Bible. Um, I remember preaching, my first sermon was on this uh, passage, and uh, it's a really wonderful passage to me, very precious, and I suspect for some of you it is as well. Um, the great uh, German reformer Martin Luther in the 16th century said of the book of Romans itself that we can never read it or ponder over it too much, uh, for the more that we deal with it, the more precious it becomes and the better it tastes. So my hope this morning is that we might dive into this and get a, a better sense of God's love for us, that we might see and taste how good his love indeed for us is in Jesus Christ. And, and love itself is, a, is, a, is, I think, a pretty poignant topic it's a, a, for a new year, just off the back of New Year's Eve. Um, I read uh, last week, in fact, about a, uh, a Latin American New Year's Eve tradition uh, where people uh, chose to, uh, they might choose to sit under a table um, as the kind of strokes get closer to midnight on New Year's Eve. They, they, they go and sit under a table. Very strange thing. But they, why would they do this? They sit under a table uh, in the hope uh, th that they might find love in the year ahead. What, a, what an unusual little tradition. Uh, I haven't seen it take off. It hasn't really taken off at our house. It perhaps it's taken off at yours. I don't know. But, but uh, this sort of search for love itself isn't all that new, really. Um, when we lived over in the UK uh, a number of years ago, we were there for four years, um, I read in a newspaper at the time uh, that the most Googled question, that was in 2014 at that time, uh, was, what is love? That was the most Googled question back in 2014 when we lived in the UK. It, it was five times uh, more popular than what is science, uh, only uh, just more popular than what is fracking and what is gluten and what is Instagram. I suspect they've moved on from it. Maybe TikTok's the one these days. But what, what is love is the question that was being asked, um, and that is a very uh, ever-present question in our world. Some people say love makes the world go around, certainly makes the internet go around. But whatever the case is, it's an important question that, uh, that we ask. And God's answer, uh, far more reliable than Google, of course, uh, begins with the statement that God is love. The God is love. And surely this is one of the most uh, marvellous truths of the whole Bible. In that psalm we read, it has the verse, Praise be to the Lord, for he showed me the wonders of his love. The wonders of God's love. And I just want to say, it's, we can talk about love a lot, God's love in particular, 
Um, but let's never forget that God's love is, is wonderful, full of wonder. And it's more than we can imagine. And there's more to discover about God's love. doesn't matter what age you are, whether you're here and you're little and you're listening, or whether you've been here for many, many years and you're listening. Because God's love, it's a truth that a child can revel in. Out of the lips of babes, this truth can be confessed. And, and at the same time, God's love, it's, it's, it's a truth that some of the greatest minds in history haven't been able to plumb the depths of. It's an unfathomable truth. Indeed, love is God's very essence. It's His whole being. Everything in Him is love. His justice is loving. His holiness is loving. His power is loving. His presence is loving. Every single perfection of God is love. And and just I'm painting a picture of the, the bigness of God's love. And, you know, out of the overflow of God's love, of this love, he sent Christ for us and for our salvation. And out of the overflow of this love, he demonstrated that love to us in this while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And in fact, to have something of this love is a greater gift, Paul says, than to have faith or even to have hope. But no concept is more misunderstood in our society, I think, than the concept of love. Often people seem to think of love only in terms of nice feelings, warm affection, romance and desire, which is of course why wedding vows often turn from till death do us part to something functioning like uh, till my affection for you departs. Um, love can be replaced by fuzzy feelings. Um, of limerence. I don't know if you've heard that word, limerence, that, that butterflies in the tummy feeling. I remember when I met Tanya, and we dated, that, that, that butterflies in the tummy feeling of limerence. It's wonderful, but it comes and it goes. <laughs> Lots of people probably felt a bit of limerence last night on New Year's Eve. But that feeling is very different from God's never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love, to use a phrase in that beautiful little kid's Bible. But we'd be mistaken, I reckon, to think that the, this misunderstanding was just kind of an out there problem in the world. It's actually something that comes into our sort of church life and church thinking sometimes, because sometimes Christian people can start to see God's love in that flittery or transitory sort of way. And, and if we do that, then it sort of feels like our future, it feels like our confidence, and it feels like our security can become a little bit more uncertain. And when life seems to fall apart, that we might deep down in our heart wonder if God's love is still there for us, wonder if God himself is still for us. You know, when that unexpected phone call comes, or the betrayal of a friend, or the loved one who wasn't healed, or the loss of something dear, or the accident that changes a life forever, is God's love really strong enough to help me withstand such things? And, and that is precisely the question that the Apostle Paul's answering in this section of the Bible today, in Romans 8. Paul's writing in about AD 56 or 57, he's writing to a church uh, in Rome, it's only been going for about a decade. And it's a little group of Christians 
facing immense challenges. You might have heard of Nero, uh, the fifth Roman emperor. Uh, he'd become the emperor just a few years earlier, and he was not a fan of Christians. There was a great fire that broke out in 64 AD in Rome. Nero blamed it on Christians, and all sorts of terrible persecutions took place. There were savage dogs being let loose on some Christians. There were some dressed in shirts, dipped in wax, tied to poles and set alight in Pharaoh's garden. Some were shot with arrows, others stripped naked, thrown into the arena, torn apart by lions or other beasts. And those sorts of people experiencing these things would have had great difficulty reconciling God's love for them with the evil being done to them. So Paul asks a question that would have hit home for them, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And he expands this question as he goes on. Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And he captures the severity of their situation by quoting Psalm 44 in verse 22. For your sake, or 32, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. You know, it's as if the spectre of death was so suspended and hovering above them that their life differed little but from death itself for a lot of these Christians. It's worth noticing here, uh, by the way, that Paul doesn't just see these, these evils as kind of uh, social, structural or abstract forces. He, he actually personifies the, this list of things from which they're suffering. It's not a generic uh, what, but it's a personal who. Who shall separate us? It's as if trouble or hardship or persecution, and all these things are, are, are like great gladiators battling against Christians in Rome themselves, trying to chop down their faith from the outside, trying to cut out their sense of God's love from the inside, testing times, terrible times. You can only sort of imagine maybe the, the thoughts that are racing through their heads. Where is God in the middle of all this? And, and is, his, is, he, is His anger that's towards me here? Or, or has he turned his face away from me here? You know, maybe, maybe people are thinking, I know I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but where are you, God? Where are your rod and your staff? I thought you'd comfort me, as it says in the psalm. Am I here on my own? Am I now separated from your love? We, you know, the Apostle Paul has got pretty good first-hand experience in this sort of pastoral crisis. He knows a thing or two about suffering. And so what does he do? He writes to them and he answers them in verse 37 with the word no. No. Sometimes when Paul says the word no, it's like he's shouting it out, no, as if he's waving his arms saying, no way, by no means, don't do it don't go there. Well, this time, it's like, he's, it's like he's reaching out his arms to embrace us and give a firm but gentle no. 
He goes on and says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. It's a deeply, deeply personal answer, the deep, deep love of Jesus we've sung. Notice what he's not saying. He doesn't say, when you've got over that rocky period in your marriage, then you'll become more than a conqueror. Or when you've worked through that financial crisis, then you'll be more than a conqueror. Or or when you've gone through that challenge in 2023 that you could see coming, that was a really big one, then when you've got over it, you'll be more than a conqueror. He's not even saying that we will even conquer this particular stuff. Here's what I think he's saying. Remember that immense love of God for you. Remember how there's no greater love than this, that the man Jesus Christ would lay down his life for you. Remember how Jesus said that no one can snatch you from his hands. I think he's saying that when you're anchored in that kind of love, when that kind of love is your source, Jesus' love, then it changes things. When you're with the conqueror. You you might know uh, the story of the second century martyr called Polycarp. He was burnt alive because he refused to deny Christ. Well, on the day of his death, he said, 86 years I have served him and he's done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my King and Saviour? Isn't that beautiful? Imagine getting to 85, having to go through that sort of trial, but just saying, I love you, Jesus, because you've loved me. I suspect for most of us here in Sydney, we'll be spared that kind of death. (laughs) I I, I suspect that our suffering will take a, a very different shape to that of Polycarp and probably very different to some of those Christians in Rome. Here's how the great preacher Charles Spurgeon puts it. He says, what does this look like, this conquering? He says, now see the Christian champion coming from the fight, having won the victory. Look at him. He's a simple, unlettered person who just knows that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. The Christian is, Spurgeon goes on, viewed according to the eye of sense, weak as water. According to the eye of sense, he's a thing to be trampled on. Yet in the sight of God, he becomes in that very way more than a conqueror. So what Paul's saying here in Rome, to the Romans, is that this love of Christ becomes the source of Christian conquering. When those storms of suffering hit, you're safe in the loving arms of Christ. When the storms of suffering come, you're carried by the champion who put death to death. You're carried by the hero who descended into hell. You're carried by the one who overcame the grave and who rose victorious on that third day. You're with the conqueror. Therefore, in that love, you're more than a conqueror. There is more to the story. That's not all. For the Apostle Paul, it's not so much just about looking back to this wonderful conquering of Christ and the display of his love. For Paul, you can look forward to. Verse 38. One of the, the, the most treasured little possessions and gems in the Bible. For I am convinced, says Paul, And if Paul's convinced, by the way, that's quite something. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, 
neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This isn't some sort of sentimental hallmark, sort of, you know, get well soon card. Poetry. It's not like he's writing to the Romans saying, cheer up, you know, carry on, keep calm. These are the totally inspired, totally inerrant words of the Apostle Paul, who is totally and utterly convinced that nothing can separate us in the future from God's love. Nothing. The frailty of life cannot, which is really good news to the materialists. The spiritual dark forces of the world cannot, which is excellent news to the New Age spiritualists. The onward march of history, the rise and fall of civilizations cannot, which is very good news to secular progressives. Always feel they've got to be on the right side of history. To paraphrase Martin Luther again, the love of God is like a, a mighty fortress, a strong bulwark, never failing. You know, the universe can throw everything with the kitchen sink at you and still the love of God will remain. And in a sense, why should this surprise us? After all, Jesus Christ is, as Paul says, he's the Lord. He's, he's the Lord. Paul's convinced that he's the Lord. Are you convinced that he's the Lord? He's the Lord over all spiritual powers because he triumphed over them at the cross. He's the Lord of life and death because he was crucified and rose from the dead. He's the Lord of things present and things to come because he's Emmanuel, God with us now, God with us always. When the curtains of history roll back, we'll enter into glory with him then too. And so Paul's saying he's the Lord and because he's the Lord, you can have confidence because he's got the whole world in his hand. A number of years ago, I, I learned that um, when the Golden State Bridge was being built in San Francisco in 1937, it was completed in, in, in two stages. In the first stage of its um, construction, there, there were no safety harnesses, and as a result, uh, 23 men uh, fell to their deaths when it was being built. But in the, the final stage of construction, there was a large... They, they finally got their act together. They put a large safety net under the thing as a precaution. And as a result of that, there were 10 men that fell uh, into the net, but they were saved from their death. Now, now the interesting uh, fact that I found, that's an interesting fact in itself, but, but the another interesting thing I discovered that was that when that safety net was uh, installed, their production and their efficiency rose dramatically as a result. Why? Well, because they were, these men were assured of their security and they were free to carry on the work with great confidence. That's really interesting, and it's not surprising in some ways too. But, but in a similar way, uh, knowing the, the safety net of God's love, his future love, not just his present love, but his future love, it frees us to carry on with great confidence and security. So, so no longer, for instance, do we need to be um, paralysed, perhaps, by fear of the future. We don't need to be... Um, you know, critically anxious 
about losing God's love, He's, he's not going to forget you. He's not going to cease to care for you. He's not going to just close his eyes to the sort of trouble and hardship that you're going through this year in 2023. The things that you, you, you really dealt with off the back of 2022, the last few months perhaps. He's not oblivious to these things. He's, he knows them. He knows more about them than you do. And, and, and he cares for you in these things. And he will care for you after these things and through these things, and when the next things come as well. He's that kind of God. His love is that kind of love. He'll, he'll personally, he'll, he'll remain your, your father, forbearing father, if you might go the wrong way like the prophet Jonah, or if you might act like the prodigal son, or you might slip up like the apostle Peter. He's the same God who loves you. There's an author who writes that the only love that won't disappoint you, is the one that can't change, that can't be lost, that's not based on the ups and downs of your life or how well you live it. It's something that not even death can take away from you. God's love is the only love like that, the author writes. So I just want to wrap up, but I hope you get a sense and you can feel something of the, the, the gulf, the chasm, the distance between notions of love that are out there, notions of love that are in the Bible, that are in God. God's love is qualitatively different. It's not a moody, emotional roller coaster kind of limerence. That's not his love. But rather, as that children's Bible we love to read, our kids says, God's love is a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. It's that kind of love. It's an unbreakable love because Christ was broken for you to receive it. That's the sort of love we have. So I want to say to you as a guest speaker, you know, as the year commences and kicks off in 2023, that no doubt this year will bring its hardships to us, its challenges. No doubt some of us are already in those challenges at present. When we're faced with the question of who or what might separate us from God's love, the Apostle Paul gives us two strong pillars to lean on. We can look back to the cross of Christ and see God's immense love for us there. And we can look forward to the lordship and love of Christ now and in the future. I imagine this grasp of God's love, the wonders of his love that supported that great hymn writer, Horatio Spafford. You might know this story, who in 1871 saw his only son die at the age of four and who shortly after that was financially ruined by the great uh, fire in Chicago. In 1873, he planned to travel to Europe with his family on a boat. Um, he sent his family ahead on another boat while he was delayed on business. Now, while crossing the Atlantic, his family's ship sank and it, as it rapidly collided with another ship. And all four of his daughters died. And his wife, Anna, survived and sent him the now famous telegram uh, which just read, saved alone. And then, and then shortly after, as he went to go and meet her, he travelled across the same spot. He was inspired at that spot where the ship sank to write these words where his daughters had died. He says, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. 
Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. Fr- friends at Summerhill, I-, I just want to say to you, as you go into this year, you-, you can't do any better than know the wonders of God's love in Jesus Christ for you. You can look back, you can look forward, and you can remain safe in that love, little or old, for all of your days. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we beg you this morning for a glimpse, a greater glimpse of that love that you have for us, that secure love at the cross of Christ, and that secure love at every moment in the future. We ask you to hide this treasure in our hearts. We acknowledge that in the midst of life, we're in death, suffering and hardship, and so help us to look back and help us to look forward this new year to your love with wonder, confidence, gratitude and a deep sense of assurance and security, knowing that nothing can separate us from your love, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.